Naked Truth After Dark has officially launched on Patreon. Over on Patreon, you can tune into Alicia's very special show where she tackles more taboo topics related to mental health. You can also find bonus content like photos, blog posts, videos, and you can chat with Alicia directly and much more. Check your episode notes and whatever your pod player is to find the link to the Naked Truth After Dark's official Patreon. We are very excited today to interview Barb from Iridescent Soul Center. Hello, how are you guys? Welcome, Barb! Yay! (laughs) So Barb is going to tell us all about how she got into Reiki today. Yes, yes. So it actually started back in 2020. And I had this dream. And it was a dream of a panda. And the panda actually brought me this symbol. I have no idea what the symbol was. I've never seen it before in my life. It resembled a lightning bolt. And me in my head, like, am I going to get struck by lightning? Like, what is going to happen? But um, I remembered the symbol for like three, four weeks. And then this place called the Reiki Center was having what they call a winter wonderfest. So that's where they do like Reiki, acupuncture, all these different things. And I went to go just visit and check it out. And when I was in the office to pay for my Reiki session, I saw the symbol. And I was like, oh, that's the symbol the panda brought to me. And they were like, what? I was like, I had a dream a few weeks ago. And it was that symbol. And the panda brought it to me. And it's actually known as the Raku symbol. And it is the master symbol of Reiki. So I was like, I believe I meant to learn Reiki and they actually teach Reiki. So what I did was um, I signed up for their classes and I've gone through Reiki 1, Reiki 2. So I'm now an official Reiki practitioner. I've gone through the internship and I am now in the process of going through the Reiki masterclass, which the masterclass is really only necessary if you plan on teaching Reiki, but also gives you a deeper understanding of all the symbols and how the energy works with the body and how it heals. So that's how I got into Reiki. It's amazing. I just want to say it's amazing. And and it's yeah. so cool that you had a dream and that you followed sort of that path that the dream was telling you to take. Very cool. So what was your career or your um, something that you were doing before getting into Reiki? Prior to that, I was in healthcare. So I was first in the field as a nursing assistant, and I would work with the elderly population. Then, because my heart is super big and they would pass away and I would get sad, I said, let me step back and go behind the scenes so I'm not as attached to people because that's one of, I believe, my benefits of being a practitioner is I get actually attached to the people. So I'm like really concerned and focused on their healing. I went back to working in medical records. So that's what I was doing at the time when I got that dream from that panda. And by the way, pandas are my absolute favorite animal. (laughs) Um, So that's what I was doing at the time. And once I started going through the process of learning Reiki and really understanding it, I realized I can go back to helping people from a different perspective. And I don't have to limit myself to just those who are dying, but those who are actually striving to live a better life. So how does Reiki work? How can this be helpful to us? So Reiki is a Japanese form of stress management and pain management. And the way that it works is it uses universal life energy. And you're lying on the table. You can actually sit up as well. And it uses light touch. So it's basically me standing aside and being used as a conduit from universal energy. And the energy is intelligent energy. So it knows where to go and what to do and when to do it. And you're in this relaxed, euphoric state. And in that state, the energy takes care of whatever ailments or stresses or thoughts that you may have that don't serve your highest or greatest good. And it lasts, it lasts for a long time. It takes about 
20 to 60 minutes. Those are the sessions that I do, 20 minutes and 60 minute sessions. But the the benefits, you know, they compound over time. And the more that you get Reiki treatments, the more you'll experience the energy and the more that your body will be receptive to it. How many sessions do you think people should normally go to if if they want to start with Reiki? Definitely start with a solid three sessions just to clear out everything that doesn't serve you well, like to clear out all the stale, stagnant energy, and then to do it at as a maintenance at least once a quarter, so once every three months. Before we even get deeper, I'm just curious, like your background, what maybe, did, were you religious growing up? How did that transition? Because I know a lot of spiritual people we interview, they start super religious and then move away. That is interesting because I was raised Christian, but I never really connected with it. It was one of those where I had way more questions than answers. So because I could never get answers from people, I started seeking my own answers. And that led to more questions, which led to other religions, which led to me studying them. So I've studied, of course, Christianity, Catholicism, uh, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism. And I realized the connecting factor is it's all about loving God's source, loving yourself and loving one another. To me, that is that's the basis of everything. So once I realized that, then it it had me question, well, why does each religion believe it's the appropriate religion and all other religions are doomed to this or doomed to that? And that never sat right with me because I don't believe our higher power created us to punish us. I believe we were created to experience life, to enjoy life, to experience each other. And it's a way for God to manifest, you know, itself because God is not male or female. It's just an energy. And that is what led me down this path of spirituality. And once I began to study that, there are certain spiritual sectors that do operate like it's a religion, but the overall general spiritual space is just a beautiful place to be. No rules, no expectations, no restrictions. I love it here. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And the way that I see it is even if someone is religious, that is how they recognize their higher power. And there's nothing wrong with that. If it helps you to have faith and helps you to get through your daily life, then that's a good thing. The issue for me anyways is when the man-made rules and regulations come into play and you're told you can't do this, but we can do this. You can't do that, but we can do that. And if you do that, you're going here or you're going to experience this. And then it it becomes about fear. It becomes about judgment. And I don't believe there's a place for fear or judgment in spirituality or even in your connection with your higher power. Beautiful. How did you get to study Reiki? What was the process like? Where I went is broken down in four different classes. There's Reiki 1, Reiki 2, the internship, and then there's experience, and then it goes back to the class of the master program. With Reiki 1, you learn the basics of Reiki. You learn the history of Reiki. You learn um, about the chakra symbols. You learn about, well, not the chakra symbols. You learn about the chakras because you learn about the symbols of Reiki 2. And you get the overall foundation of what Reiki is, where it came from, how to use it on yourself and possibly like your friends, your family, and how to how to understand and know when the benefits are actually working. So it's about building up your confidence and knowing that, okay, yes, I am stepping aside. I am being used as a conduit. I am allowing this life force energy to flow through me and I do have the power to heal myself because that's all Reiki is. It's really just universal energy allowing you to heal yourself. So what I always tell my clients is you are the healer. I'm just the conduit. I'm just here to step aside, allow the energy to flow through, and your energy will direct it to where it is meant to go. To teach us a little more about chakras. Well, one A fun fact about chakras is that we actually have 147, but there are seven main chakras and they all run along your spine, your spinal cord. So starting from the bottom and then working up, 
There is your root chakra. That is your chakra for security, stability, and safety. Yes, <laughs> security, stability, and safety. And then there's your sacral chakra, which is your divine feminine chakra. And that's where your sensuality, your creativity, your feminine energy resides. And then above that, which is right below your breastbone, is your solar plexus. And your solar plexus is your divine masculine energy. But it's also the energy of your power, will, and determination. Above that is the heart chakra. Of course, that's love. <laughs> And then it's also the seat of your emotions and your feelings, which a lot of people think is in the head, but it's actually in the heart. And then there's your throat chakra, which is about speaking your truth. It's your words. It's your communication. And then right between your brows is your third eye chakra. And that is the chakra that allows you to see into the spiritual realm. And it also assists with connecting you communication-wise through your higher power, which to connect with your higher power is your crown chakra, which is roughly an inch or so over your over your head, like right in the center of your head. And then that's your crowd chakra. And that's what connects you to your divine source. Now, the bonus chakras that I know of, there are your ear chakras, which allows you to hear spirit. And then there's a chakra known as a high heart, which is just above and to the left of your heart chakra. And that is where unconditional love resides. So those are your seven chakra points. So how would we know that we need to seek you out and work on our chakras and get some Reiki treatments? So you can tell when a chakra is over or underperforming based off of how you feel. So for example, let's say you have an underperforming root chakra. You may feel like you're not making enough money, you don't have enough connections, you don't feel safe in your home, or if you have like an under or overperforming heart chakra, that's where you're very giving, you're very loving, but you just overly give to everyone without expectations, without limitations, without boundaries. So if you're not acting in accordance with how you normally would and something feels off because it's all an energetic feeling, that is how you'll know one of your chakras is off and it could use some balancing. What would the process look like? So does a person come in and lay down? Do they sit? Do they, what, what, what does the practitioner do and what does the patient do? So there's two ways you can do Reiki. There's in-person Reiki and there's also distant Reiki. So you, there's also a way that you don't have to be present, but we'll talk about in-person Reiki first. So with in-person Reiki, what you would do is I start off with a, a pre-interview, basically where we discuss what the issues are, what your intentions are, what you would like to receive from the treatment, and then you will lay down on the massage table and... Based off of that, I will intuitively do a scan on your body. And what the scan does, and this is how I was trained, what the scan does is it allows me to see if there's any stale, stagnant energy stuck in anywhere of your either your body or your auric field. It also allows me to see if you have any spiritual attachments. So a lot of people who are trained by Reiki are just trained for the chakra points. But the way that I was trained was to know if there are spiritual attachments. Tell us more about that. Yes. So when a person passes away, your spirit has a choice. They can choose to go to the light. They can choose to go to the abyss. They can choose to stay here on earth. Because sometimes they'll stay here because of religious trauma. Like they feel oh, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm going to be sent to a dark place. You know, all these bad things are going to happen to me, so I'm not going to the light. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to stay on earth. And there are different types of souls that stay on earth. The ones that are the wanderers, they're known as ghosts. The ones that are comfortable with just being in a certain geographical area or a certain place, they're known as earthbound spirits. But then you have the spirits who don't want to wander, but don't really have a comfortable place to go. So they'll attach themselves to someone who has a low vibration and they'll vicariously live, quote unquote, through them. Those are called spirit attachments. 
and they're not they're not always bad spirits they're just spirits that basically ran out of choices and they either don't want to admit to their death don't want to be dead or they want to somehow some way continue on and it could be just to continue to experience life like maybe they passed away they were young it could be because they were um murdered and they want to seek revenge. I mean, there's a lot of ways that spirit attachments, you know, become attachments. And when I do the body scan, it allows me to see if that energy is present. And if it is present, then what I would do is place it in a black tourmaline box because black tourmaline is a crystal that's known for protection, but it's also known for sealing. And then I would send that box to the light. Or that's if it's resistant. Um, you can also communicate with it. And sometimes in the communication, when you're laying on the table, they'll actually communicate with you. Like you'll even hear a, a tone change in the voice. So you'll know you're not communicating with the person anymore, but rather the spirit. And they'll let you know if they're afraid or if they're scared or if they're not you know, wanting to go to the light and you just, well, I would communicate with them, you know, nothing bad is going to happen. Is there anyone that you would like to meet you at the light? You know, all of these different things to coax the spirit to go to the light. And sometimes the spirit is not too friendly. So then when it's not too friendly, <laughs> I got to get not too friendly, <laughs> not <laughs> physically or anything, but just like, okay, you have a choice. You can go to light or you can go to the abyss, but you cannot stay attached to this person. This person is still living their life. And it's not fair for them that they have you as an attachment because you're causing all of these ailments that aren't necessary. So I've rarely had a spirit choose the abyss which is basically just the darkness. Um, most of the time, they choose to go to the light. And then they'll, they'll have like a dog or like a grandmother or, you know, a child or someone that they know a, a loved one will actually meet them at the light. So that's what the body scan allows me to see. And then again, it also allows me to see stale stagnant energy, which will actually look like TV static to me. And then I'll be able to clear that out. And then once I clear out all the, the negative low vibrational energies, then that's when I'll check each chakra individually to check to see if it's overperforming, underperforming, or if it's doing just fine. If it's overperforming, I'll calm it down. If it's underperforming, I'll rev it up, <laughs> clean it out. And then once I go through each of the chakras, then I just scan the body again to see if there's any pain points or um, focus on whatever they said their intention was. Like, say, they have a pain in their right hip, then I'll just focus on the right hip and then, you know, look for any energies or any attachments there. And then I'll focus on that. And like I said, treatments could be 20 minutes, they could be 60 minutes. And then after that, they just, I, I bring them back to and they're brand new. That sounds amazing. So it sounds a little bit like a, almost a combination of exorcism in some cases. There are times. <laughs> I've, I've had when I took my Reiki internship class, um, we had a client who um, presented with a lot of spiritual attachments. It wasn't necessarily an exorcism because although it is the removal of a spirit, it's not necessarily the removal of a demon. Now, there is a difference because spirits, you know, used to be in human form, so they have emotions. They can get happy. They can get sad. They can get angry. Demons have no emotions at all, and they will not express any emotions. They will not fear you. They will not be aggressive. They'll just be like, no, they're very flat. <laughs> so, and I actually have a spray bottle of holy water. <laughs> so <laughs> that is how I test to see if it's a demon or not. Thankfully, I've never had to <laughs> pull out a demon. Usually it's just a very rambunctious spirit that's just like, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm like, but you have to. So yeah, it is, it is like an exorcism, but it's an exorcism of a spirit and not an exorcism of a, 
a demon. Makes sense. What about, um, so it sounds like you've trained, you know, and and learned a lot about energy centers. And you say that you scan the person's centers, the, the body. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like when you're in the store or somewhere around people, you kind of maybe by nature just scan people and, and see what's out there? Or is it only you turn it on when you say to yourself, okay, I am working on this client, so now I'm going to turn on my ability to do that? Or do you just kind of see, you know, centers and chakras in other people when you don't want to? I was going to ask the same thing because I love (laughs) the topic of spiritual boundaries, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually do turn it on and turn it off now because when I when it first activated in me it did get very overwhelming to be around like even now I cannot be around like a massive group or massive amount of people because it's just too many different energies and not all of them feel good like I even feel it now like okay it's we're just thinking about a brain but um I do have the ability now to like turn it off and say you know I'm I'm not connecting right now. I'm off. Like, I'm not here to do any spiritual work, any energy work. I'm just trying to get bagels. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, right. right. Just want to get bagels and cream cheese. Let me be. Yeah. Um, now, if I go into a new environment, though, where I'm, I've never been before and I want to be sure that it's a safe environment, I will turn it on. And I will scan the environment just to make sure that the energy is is good. Outside of that, unless I'm actually working with a client, I will turn it off now sometimes. I will get messages. Um, They're typically for me. I've never been one to, like, get a message and just walk up to a stranger like, hey, I have a message for you. Not like that. Now, my partner, Glenda, does get messages like that. But sometimes I'll get downloads. when I'm turned off, but those are usually like personal, like just for me. Um, but as far as other people's energies, yeah, I I tend to turn off. Well, now I now I want to be a guinea pig. I I mm-hmm. I, I want to see if you can scan me and see mm-hmm. if anything is out of whack, and maybe okay. we can tell people what's up. You know, you want me to stand up? Is that helpful or no? Is, you do you do scans with your eyes with your hands? I scan with my intuition. And you actually don't even have to stand. Uh, let's see. I see your heart's fluttering. Are you excited? A bit of cloudiness behind the third eye. You have amazing energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like I said, with the heart fluttering. I'm going to die of a heart attack. No, 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 no. No. Okay. no heart fl- this <laughs> no. wasn't a bad heart fluttering. Okay. This was just like a- excitement, like okay. excitement energy, like yeah. changes are coming, and I'm really Ooh. excited about it. And then the cloudiness that was between the third eye, that can sometimes be representation of Okay, I know about the spiritual realm. I'm comfortable with the spirit. Well, not yeah, I'm comfortable with the spiritual realm. However, do I really want to see what's mm. over there? And it's like there's not a, a solid little blockage. Yes, yes a, a little blockage. blockage. So not a solid yes, not a solid no. But you do have the ability whenever you're ready. Okay, whenever you're ready, and then um, your your crown chakra was definitely connected, and below your uh, solar plexus was strong, your sacral was strong, and your root chakra was definitely strong. So, and I didn't see any attachments, so you don't have any spirits riding you. That's good. <laughs> I know, because one time we uh, interviewed... Uh, oh, yeah, that was when we first started. She said you had an attachment. I had a, a, but it was a past life, right? Yeah, it was a, it was past, a past life past attachment, attachment or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that can happen too. Those are yeah. interesting. I was told I had one of those as well. But, but hopefully not anymore. I hope not. I mean, I noticed recently in the past few days because I was dealing, it was related to money and I, I made a large transaction and I noticed I had those same like thoughts of like, do I deserve this? Should I have not done that? Like things like that. And uh, yeah, so I was like, hmm, I wonder if he's back. <laughs> like, why am I? <laughs> do you feel like it's still attached to you now or? Did yeah, you say it was a male energy. Mm-hmm. I I think so because I when I did the process of letting it go, it was like, oh, we're gonna send him to the light. Maybe it's because I'm holding on to it because I don't believe that I could just okay, great, I'm healed from all my money trauma, and I don't know if it's ancestral or something. 
Wow. Maybe I need to come see you. I Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense of a male energy on your left side, which is your receiving side. So um, this energy may feel like, is, do you feel like it's like you're not deserving of it? Yeah. So it's not really you feeling like you're not deserving of it. It's the energy of like, well, why did she get that? I didn't get to do that. Oh, that's weird because the maybe it's a different one because uh, the ener- the past life I had a lot. And I, um, oh, it's such a long story, but I went down like kind of a darker path and there was like fame and stuff. And um, and now it's, I, I made like some kind of a, uh, Soul contract. Or- yeah, that, oh, I will never uh, make money off of art again. And I'm an artist, so. Have you renounced that soul contract? Uh, in the process that I did with the other lady, I, I supposedly I did. I was okay. like, we're done. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. And I did have a huge, like, uh, thing happen after. Oh, so that was good. Yeah, I was like, so good God. things are happening, <laughs> right? Good okay. things are happening. Yeah. Yes. But, open. I, okay. yeah okay. but I still have those thoughts, you know, and I'm still trying to mm-hmm. work through those. And Yeah. That'll be good to do some shadow work around there. And yeah. And just see what aspects from your past life and also your present life are still present and having you have those thoughts and to really discover, are those thoughts even mine? Because the thing with spirits is if they feel like you have doubt in any area and they had doubt in that area, it makes them easier to attach to you. So if there's a spirit around that did dive with with the poverty or scarcity mindset and you have these doubts about poverty and scarcity and they happen to cross your path. They will fuel it. What if it's ancestors? Because there's a lot of that in my family. It could be ancestral um, because not all ancestors are of light and love. So it really could be an ancestor that's um, not necessarily vicariously living through you, but that's like attempting to sabotage because there are ancestors that will do that. Um, and that is why whenever you call on them, you always call on the ancestors of highest light. And love. I do. Whenever you call always. on anyone, yeah. <laughs> always the highest light and love because yeah. if not, then you're you're basically opening yourself to receiving any energy. Yeah, I always say um, highest good, same moral standing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because that's important because I have some hyper-religious family members so I want to mm-hmm. make sure they're okay with... You know, because I'm doing something that's not quite Christian. Yeah. So, which is interesting because my grandma, she died uh, like super Christian, but she comes to me as just open to like whatever. So I feel like it's. She she grew, transformed on the other side. Yeah. But I also have memories like when I was a little kid, I think I've talked about this a little bit. Like we would make like flower gardens and talk about super spiritual things. And then that didn't come back to me until after she died. Like I always viewed her as super Christian and I couldn't, I had to be, keep things to myself. But when she was dead, it all came back. Anyways, that's my story. Well, that's, that's amazing. And so, so okay, so you're working with energy and with maybe spirits sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do you protect yourself? Because it sounds like if you have perhaps doubts yourself, some of these spirit entities maybe even could attach to you. So do you do anything to protect yourself? Yes, I've... Um I have two spiritual mentors, and they both taught me a different way of protection. I do them both <laughs> because mm-hmm. I like to be double protected. So my Reiki master mentor, um, she taught me, and this anyone can do this, is basically you'll see a ball of light at your solar plexus, and it's like a fireball, and it's about the size of a baseball, and it'll start to gradually get larger and larger. And you just allow this energy to get large until it's encasing your entire body and it stands two feet out on each side, each direction. Um, That is your protective shield. So it's protecting yourself and your aura. And then um, my spiritual mentor taught me to do a stance, the Wonder Woman stance. So you'll stand with your feet uh, shoulder width apart, put your, um, your fist on your hips, and you'll just... Breathe in universal life force energy. And then again, you envisualize yourself encased in this golden white light from the head to toe. And then again, it goes out two feet on each side. So it like gives it activates your your power 
So again, it comes from the solar plexus, but instead of seeing the ball come from the solar plexus, you're just kind of like standing in this power pose. So, so you combine the two, so now you see the light and you stand in the power yeah, pose. I, I see light. the light as I'm standing in the power pose, and I do that um, every morning, well, every day before I actually leave my house, because my house is my sacred space. So I do that before I leave my house. And then if I ever feel like I'm in a, a weird vibration, like there's a weird vibration on me, I'll shoot it out. So instead of sitting you know, waiting for it to slowly get larger, larger, larger. I'll just psh, expand it. And then... Expand have, the light? Expand the light. And Very then quickly. And I have immediate protection. Yeah. And then I also wear black obsidian and an evil light bracelet, so... Very nice. Yes. And all kinds of... Crystals. So what kind of things could people do to do protect themselves mm -hmm. against maybe negative energies that they encounter or um, wear bracelets yeah, like that? Yeah, they can wear or? crystal bracelets. Um... Usually black crystals are the best for protection. So that's like black obsidian, jet, hematite is good for protection, even though it's silver, it's like a silverish black. Um, black tourmaline is really good for protection. Uh, you can also visualize the light around you and state that I am, you know, I am safe, I am protected. So affirmations would be good. And then you can... Be very, very mindful of the environment that you're in because that's also important because it's not just about protecting yourself spiritually. You also got to protect yourself, you know, in the physical because there's no sense in saying, oh, I got my, you know, black obsidian bracelet <laughs> on and I got my necklace. I'm protected. I'm just going to run up in here while this store or this bank is getting robbed and I'm going to be safe. No, 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 no. You're probably yeah. going to get shot. <laughs> yeah. We don't want yeah. that. <laughs> so it's also about being mindful of your physical environment as well. So, you know, a lot of people believe that just because they're spiritual, they're invincible and they're not. So spiritual, spiritualism allows you to see or forecast if something is off or something is amiss so that you can be physically protected. So that's very important to also be mindful of your surroundings as well as doing the spiritual worker as well. How do you know when you need to have stronger spiritual boundaries and maybe do some of this these exercises? Oh, that's a good one. So <laughs> when you are easily persuaded, easily convinced, when you feel like you're starting to question your own beliefs, that's when it's time to step up your spiritual boundaries. When you have others around you who are strong in their beliefs and they have the power to make you bend in yours, that's when it's time to strengthen your spiritual boundaries. Because it's not about allowing others to convince you that they're right and you're wrong. It's about allowing others to be in their truth while you remain in your truth. So it's very important to know what it is that you believe, to stand in that belief, to be respectful of other people's beliefs, but also to allow yourself to be open and be transparent. And it's okay if you want to learn more about other religions and other beliefs and things of that nature. But if you feel yourself waning or you feel yourself questioning yourself like, well, is this really true? Is it really like this? Then that's when it's time to stop and reflect on what it is that you truly believe. Okay. Yeah. So when we feel kind of like doubts and hesitations towards what we believe, is that does that mean maybe something's invading our spiritual boundaries or is it more we just don't have something to stand in? It's more... It could be a sign of an invasion if it's like you were just so solid in it and then all of a sudden, say you had a bad day mm. and then something crept in and started planting those seeds of doubt. Yeah. It could be that. However, if it's something that you were never really solid in, then it's time to sit down and really evaluate how you view your spirituality and how you view your beliefs. So it could be either way. But if you're solid in it and you just had a couple, a bad day, a bad week or whatever, you know, it's important to remind yourself of what it is that you truly believe and what has gotten you through this far. So I, I'm just wondering also because you said that you grew up 
Christian. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, how does your family view Reiki or the work that you do? do are they accepting or do they feel like, oh, man, like, what's she doing, <laughs> you know? Um, They, well, see, my parents are older, older, so <laughs> they still don't understand what it is that I do. But they do know I'm spiritualist. Um they do know that I still believe in a higher power, even if I call them by a different name. Um, but they're very supportive. Now, outside of my parents, I don't even know if they know. <laughs> Just to be honest, I don't because I don't really express it. I don't hide it, but I don't throw it in people's faces either. I just live my truth. And when people come across it, if they have questions, I answer them to the best of my ability. And I allow them to formulate their own opinions and don't let their opinions to persuade how it is that I view myself or what it is that I do. And it sounds like you went after your dream uh, or mm-hmm. literally actually in both senses, the dream that you had and then it became your dream to be a Reiki master. And there mm-hmm. you are. Um what would you say to folks that maybe struggle with, you know, maybe they're really like are want to do something mm-hmm. or change paths that they're on, but they're maybe fearing or th- doubting themselves? How, what would you say to them? Because it sounds like you were successful at making that jump from not doing Reiki and then all boom, you're doing mm-hmm. Reiki. Um, I would say first and foremost, have a plan. Have a plan and understand that your plan may take longer or shorter than someone else's plan. I would also suggest to stay away from social media. (laughs) I mean, during the process of accomplishing your goals, because what what happens is when you focus on something, it expands. It expands in your life, but also expands in everything that you see. So, for example, let's say you want to be a jewelry maker. And all of a sudden, you start getting all these creative ideas of all of these pieces that you can make. But then you'll start to see other jewelry makers. And then these other jewelry makers are making the ideas that you've seen or the similar ideas that you've seen. And then you'll start to get discouraged. And then you'll say, well, they're already doing it or that looks better than what I thought of or who am I kidding? I can't do this. And you'll start to doubt yourself. When you get to that point, it's important to, number one, remember why you started And number two, to go at your own pace, because even if they created something similar, they cannot create what you create. Y'all could do the exact same piece. The energy that they put into it is not going to be the same energy that you put into it. And your client base and your fan base will always be your client and your fan base. So you don't have to be concerned with what the next person is doing. It's always important to focus on your own path stay in your own lane and not allow yourself to get distracted by what everyone else is doing. And also not to get the shiny object syndrome where you think this is going to resolve every issue or every problem that I have. Like don't use your dream or your goal to run away from reality. Use your dream and your goal to create a new reality. Because a lot of times people... Will start businesses because they don't want to work for anyone else. And so they realize when they start the business, they're working way more than they did for someone else. And there's no guarantee. There's not, it's not always a solid, you're going to make money every single time. It's so funny, you know, because of course I am a business owner too. And some days, you know, it'd be 11 p.m. and I'm still working. Sometimes it's, you know, 1130 or, or midnight on some days because you have to get something done and you have to get it done and you couldn't get it done earlier and you have to do it now. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, gosh, if I ever had a boss that told me, you got to work at 11 p.m. today, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, right. I'm not working for you anymore. (laughs) But then when it's you and it's your business, then suddenly you have nobody to complain to. You just got to do it. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why it's important to to love what it is that you do because there will be times where you're working at 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and then you have to get up at 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and do it all over again. So it's very important. It's also important to know that during, you know, the slower periods, that's when it's good to, 
you know, catch up on educating yourself or getting new ideas or, you know, really appreciate the downtime. Appreciating sure. the downtime because once it picks back up, you're going to be busy. You're, you're definitely going to be busy. You know, and I don't know if you think about it this way, but I always think like having a business is like having your kids. You know, it's it's like when you work for someone else, it's like you're babysitting someone's kids and you can always leave them there. And you have some freedom in the evenings. But when you when you have your own family, you can't, it's like you have your kids, that's it. Like you can't just take a break. So sometimes people, I feel like, idealize that having a business is going to be this, this amazing, you know, process. And then once you start doing it, you realize there's so much work that goes into it that you never even thought you would be doing. Because it's not just like when you show up for work for somebody else, you know, the structure is set up. All you do is the piece that you're going to be doing. When it's your business, you got to set up everything along with a trash can and a marketing effort and cleaning and and everything, literally everything. And people just sometimes don't realize that. Yeah. Which doesn't mean to not go after your dreams, yeah. but just to know that there's a lot of work that's going to happen too. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of work and you will wear a lot of, of hats. hats. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of yeah. hats, especially in the very beginning. Um, so that's why it's important to really be mindful of the business that you're going into and to love it with a love it with an insane amount of passion so that when you're going through the mundane parts, the slow periods, the wearing hat number 15 and <laughs> hat number 7,382, you still are like, I'm going to do this because it's worth it to me. Now, if you never had your dream with a panda holding a sign of Reiki, <laughs> would you ever go into it? I don't even know if I would have realized what Reiki was because that's what brought me to Reiki. Now, I will say I believe I still would have been redirected to the spiritual path. So it is possible I would have ran into the Reiki again. But so, that panda started everything. <laughs> so unless there's a panda holding a sign, you're not easy to convince. No, not really. <laughs> Only your own subconscious mind or the universal uh, spirit yes. world had to know how to present the idea to you for exactly. you to go after it. Exactly. And they chose the right animal to use a panda. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I just, you know, we talk a lot on our podcast about synchronicities, mm -hmm. things that will happen to sort of coax you to go into a certain direction and that just so amazing. You know, Carl Jung talks a lot about mm -hmm. about dreams and the dream symbolism. Yeah. You got like a real clear dream. Here, here's yeah. a panda yes. and here's something that here's you are meant to do. And yeah. He just handed it to me. And I was like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? Am I getting struck by lightning? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> but then as soon as I signed it, it, it just all came together. And I was like, okay, let this path begin. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Any other synchronicities that maybe uh, led you in different directions in life that you noticed? Mm, I'm sure there were. Not as big as the panda, Not probably. Not as big as the panda, though. Uh, I would say that I would have to think on that because, but I'm pretty sure there, there's always something that's guiding me. And usually it's a voice or an angel number or a dragonfly, you know, something spiritual that will symbolize certain things. And uh, it... <laughs> angel numbers, yes. Oh, yes, angel numbers. So my power number is actually 333. Um, and the reason why is because I see 333 everywhere. So let's see. 333 means you are powerfully aligned with Jesus and other ascended masters at this time. You are at a crucial point on your journey where you can go beyond all previous setbacks. And that's what it is. Whenever I feel like there's a setback or whenever I feel like there's something that's blocking me, I ask for a sign. I'm like, okay, so do I peruse through this? Do I sidestep? Do I stop and just wait? And then when I see the 333, they're like, mm. power through. So elephants are, are good as well because when it's time for me to power through, I'll see Ganesh. Wow. Yes, wow. I will see Ganesh. And 
that's actually my spiritual mentor's leading deity is Ganesh. Wow. So that yes. is beautiful. So tell us a little more about angel numbers because I think we've never really talked about angel numbers, maybe just a little here and there. But also, before we go on, I wanted to say because listeners might not have understood what just happened. As you were thinking about what you were going to say, Alicia got an angel numbers book and put it in front of you. So yes. if yes. anyone was confused how that yes. transition right. happened, I heard angel numbers. So I'm like, angel numbers. Yes. I just got this book, um, you know, just recently yeah. on Amazon. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. Tell us more about angel numbers. Sounds like you so, know a lot about it. Yeah. So angel numbers. Let's the let's talk about the basis of it. A lot of people believe that angel numbers are only the rep, rep, repetitive numbers like one 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 two 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 three three three. Anytime you have a thought, a question, an issue that you're pondering, and all of a sudden a set of numbers, you just keep seeing a set of numbers, and it doesn't always have to be repetitive numbers. You just keep seeing a set of numbers. Those are your angel numbers. Those are your Angels and guides of highest light and love getting your attention. So, a perfect example. One of the main deities that I work with is Bassett. Her angel number is 911. And when you think of 911, of course, you think of emergency. Um, She is the deity of health and healing and also the deity of women. So, while I was going through a transition and wondering, okay, so am I meant to work with the deity? Do I just do the spiritual thing on my own? Can I get some help here? I started seeing 911 all over the place. And I'm like, well, it is kind of an emergency, but it didn't click with me until I did some research on it. And another spiritualist that I follow on Instagram and YouTube, she's also a a follower of Bassett. And that is where... I've learned that Bassett's number is 911. So, well, 911. So, yeah, that's how I I noticed that she was getting my attention. I also kept seeing black cats everywhere and actually have a black cat. Well, she's a tuxedo cat. Her name's Pepper. She's all over the place right now. (laughs) But with angel numbers, again, they represent your spirit guides and your angels getting your attention. So another popular angel number is 1111. And that's where people are like, it's 1111, make a wish. And that is a manifestation number because 11 and 22 are the master numbers. So those are the numbers where you see those, you know, your manifestation or your desire is going to come to pass. Nice. So I, uh, yeah. you know, so, so th- when I was going for my divorce, you know, I actually never paid attention to science. And then when I was going through my divorce, I started noticing, um, actually, I wasn't going through a divorce yet. It was like maybe a few months leading up to it. But uh, I was I would see numbers 9, 11, and always on the clock, right? Every time I look at the clock, I just felt like it was 11 minutes past whatever the time was, you know? And, and to me, I started just internally freaking out. I'm like, what's happening? Like, why am I, you know? And I don't know if sometimes if we're going through something dramatic traumatic or sometimes maybe we start paying attention to that or it is literally the spirit world telling us hey you're about to enter some type of a phase in your life and so we are kind of preparing you for this pay attention you know and that's exactly what it is it is the spiritual realm getting your attention and saying we hear you we're listening we're working behind the scenes just continue to watch for the signs, continue to trust, and know that this issue will be resolved in your favor. And then, you know, aside from angel numbers, I wonder if sometimes, because maybe personally, uh, a various set of numbers could mean something to that one person, if you start seeing that kind of set of numbers a lot, is this also the universe communicating like, to you, this means something, and here it is, you know, either, because here's the problem. When I was going through my divorce and I was seeing all these numbers, I started thinking that it was meaning something bad. Something change was coming, emergency, you know. Um, so then I started feeling, I don't know, scared. And then I started thinking, well, I need to think of a number that's kind of like countering it, something good. So I started thinking that, um, if I see this set of numbers, that's going to mean something positive because I I didn't want to just have something that would mean something scary or bad is coming. I wanted to have something also to represent something good. Something good, yeah. And sometimes 
Numbers will warn you of things. Doesn't necessarily mean like you're going to die or anything like that. Nothing dire. But um, the number 555 is the number of change and switching of structures is going to occur. So when you start to feel like change is happening, you can actually create or choose a number that and give it an intention. For example, when I see my birth date, which is 617, that means that my specific angels and guides and ancestors are with me through whatever I am currently going through. So I believe when people see their birthdays, that means that their specific team is reaching out to them. So you can always say, well, I'm going through this tough time. Let me anchor onto something to help me through it. And I would choose, for me, would choose 333 because that's my power number. So basically what it is, is choosing your power number. And it's choosing a number that means something to you. And it means something to you because you gave it that meaning. Mm. So I started to feel like, um, you know, my home number when I was married, and I was very happy when I was married, was 844. So then when I see that number now, I'm like, oh, it means like, I don't know, home, something good, something positive. So now I, I like that. <laughs> I had to have some, some numbers that were good because I yeah. didn't want to be scared, you know. Yeah. And nine eleven is a little scary. It is. Mm. It Even is. if it means scary. good things. You said it for some people it means health mm -hmm. and, uh, or no, it was one. It means one. health and healing. Health yeah. and healing. Well, Bassett is the deity of health and healing. I see. Hi, I want to go back to the nine eleven numbers because you mentioned um, the goddess Best, best, Basset. Basset. Mm -hmm. That's an Egyptian goddess, Egyptian right? Goddess, yes. And she looks like a like a cat. a cat. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a black cat. So as you said, that thing started to click so much for me. And this is yeah. this is my cat, by the way. I pulled it up because I actually had a black cat too. His name was Sir. Oh, <laughs> he was a um, a tomcat though, so he was very rambunctious. What does that mean? A is that a he was green? feral. So um, he was from the streets. Yeah. Um, like, literally, someone had uh, put a box of kittens, like, on the side of the road. And one of my coworkers was like, we have one cat left, and it's a black cat. And I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> that was what happened with my cat, Bear. He was um, in a box with his siblings on the vet's doorstep. So he didn't have too much time on the street. But he was—he had enough. He was, he was in the box, and then all his uh, siblings were with him. And anyways, as you were talking about the goddess, it just ha had me thinking that we never really talked about, like, deities or anything on the podcast before. So it had me curious. And I used to also see 9-11 a lot as a teenager, and I couldn't figure out what it meant. And But I always wanted a black cat, too. I actually started with the deity uh, Mama Yamaya. Yamaya, mm. she's the deity of water. I started with her because, again, she came to me in a dream. Wow. And it was Yamaya, Shango, and Oya. And they're all deities of um, the Yoruba religion. Right. All three of them came to me. I'm not sure what they wanted with me, but they just came to me. Mm -hmm. But the one that stuck with me the most was Yamaya, and she is the mother deity. So it was at a time when I was um, also going through a divorce and going through depression and all of these things, and I felt like I wasn't being a present mother at the time. So she was mothering me in a way that allowed me to mother my own children. So that's why she will always and forever be in my heart, even though I don't work with her as much now. Yeah. And I've moved on to working with Bassett and Anubis, who is yeah. the... I, I consider them my balanced deities because Bassett, Divine Feminine, Anubis, Divine Masculine. Yeah. And they're both Egyptian deities. So, yeah, that's who I work with. So do you identify with a certain, like, or I guess a certain type of like African spirituality. Do you identify? With, I like, do not. I do understand them. Yeah, I know them. I do not actually follow one mm -hmm. because to me, it goes back to my beliefs about religion, how they're so structured and restricted, and they all have their rules and regulations. And to me, I don't feel like there's rules and regulations to connecting with your higher power. Mm -hmm. So although I do understand them, I do respect them, I know who they are, I do not say, for example, 
I'm a child of Oshun or anything mm-hmm. like that because I'm not, because I don't follow a specific religion. Okay. I prefer to be a free bird. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I feel that. I've done some, I've been trying to do some research to see if like my ancestors, because I'm from, I'm from the Bahamas, so I have a lot of Caribbean ancestors. So I was trying to see, okay, were there any practices, but everything seems Christian. But then my mom has a lot of different things where I'm like, like she's like, don't put your purse on the floor. You'll lose all your money. Don't leave your broom this direction or like just all these different things. And she can sense like when someone's going to die and like all. And then I'm like, hmm. So oh, I'm trying to. Death doula. Maybe okay. that might be her. Because a lot of the things that she just said, like, don't put your purse on the floor. All that's hoodoo. Yeah, that's hoodoo. So that's that's based off of uh, it's based off of. Baptist Christians. Okay. But the deities in the Caribbean, that's Santeria and Kendoble. Mm, I yeah. haven't heard of Kendoble. Yeah. Mm. Those are the deities of the Caribbean. Okay. And then voodoo, of course. Yes. Yeah. And that's Haitian. Well, there's Haitian yeah. voodoo, there's Louisiana voodoo, yeah. and there's regular voodoo. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, then, no. Yeah. My and then family- there's the Polish voodoo. There's none. <laughs> So I am like sitting over here like, huh? You might huh? have. Huh? There's probably something there. I mean, every region I feel has yeah. its own yeah. it thing. It does. Yeah. It just takes some research. Yeah. I'm so curious about it. I want to dive in. And when I was a kid, I was always drawn to like Egyptian things. I was always like when we went to the library and they're like, find a book and read it. I always grabbed like something about ancient Egypt. And I was just always drawn to it. I thought about naming my cat after one of the um, gods or goddesses. But then I was like, yeah. So I don't know. This is really this. Oh, this reminded me this conversation of things I was drawn to as a kid. So now I'm gonna dive back in and see if I'm. That's yeah. So beautiful. thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one last question, um, because you talked about Reiki and chakras, I noticed you have a pink sweater on. Yeah. And I and I'm wearing black sweater. Um, and I'm just wondering, is there any? about colors that you wear and perhaps attracting different kinds of energy into your life. So, yes. Yeah, so there is a thing known as color magic and it does represent the different chakras. For example, pink and green both represent the heart chakra. Black can represent protection. The blue can represent your throat chakra. So whatever color it is that you would choose to focus on, you will wear that corresponding color. Like if you want to focus on your root chakra, you will wear red. If you want to focus on your solar plexus, you would wear yellow. So colors do matter, but also everything has an opposite. So even though, for example, black is also for protection, it can also be used to draw in lower vibrational spirits. So it's, again, goes back to being mindful of the energy that you're putting out as well as the energy that you are attempting to attract. So everything is done with intention. So if you are not intentional, you can attract anything. So it's best to just be intentional with your wardrobe, with your words, with the music you listen to, with the food you eat, everything have an intention behind it. I see. Well, that's that's very good. You know, mm-hmm. I, I we usually do the naked truth part mm-hmm. of the podcast, and I kind of feel like you just gave us some different uh, different awesome ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophie, you have any naked truths that are that are sticking out to you right now? Yeah, my naked truth would be continue to pay attention to the numbers um, and go back to exploring what I was naturally drawn to as a kid before I had all these, you know, adult things that say, don't do that or do that and just see where it takes me and continue to embrace like the inner child. Yeah. So I will will go with you. I kind of, uh, as we were talking about angel numbers and colors and chakras and talking to spirits or being in tune with everything. I, I kind of feel like, you know, sometimes as humans, we feel alone. We've, we are going through difficult things and it seems like we're never truly alone. We just can't visually see that with our eyes. So I am glad to know that I'm not the only one that pays attention to numbers and things in my, in my universe and synchronicities and dreams. I'm just happy I'm not alone. <laughs> yes. 
And what about you, Barb? What about anything that... My naked truth is always be open. Always be open to learning. Always be open to growing. Always be open to exploring. Because I feel that is how we best learn. That is how we best develop. That is how we best understand each other as a people and understand ourselves. Is to always be open and protected at the same time, but to be open to discovering new aspects about ourselves, new aspects about other people, and new aspects about life. So that is my naked truth, to remain and be open. And how do we find you, Barb? You can find me several different ways. So our location is 4770 Indianola Avenue. We are in Building A, Suite 103. Our phone number is 614-483-5199. And you can also visit the website, iridescentsoulcenter.com. And you've got your podcast returning, Yes. Also, our podcast will be returning on January 6th. No, January 6th. January 9th, excuse me, January 9th. And it's the Iridescent Soul Podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that podcasts are streaming. So you have current episodes out right now for people to catch up until you... Yes, we have four seasons of episodes. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Yes, Yes, there's lots of information. And it's a spiritual-based podcast that talks about everything from Reiki to energy to the history of Halloween and everything metaphysical. Beautiful. Yes. I love Beautiful. that. Thank we might, you. We might have to find it. Yeah. Yes. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Thank you. Thank you.